Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. So good to have you here with us today for episode 376 of the Speaker Lab podcast. We've got a great show for you, as always. And today I'm going to be joined by Mr. Jeff Woods to talk about the one thing. Now, you might be wondering what exactly is the one thing. Well, Jeff is here to explain the concept, to unpack the application, and help equip us to take the right steps toward being truly productive. He's become the face of the book, The One Thing, and he's one of the more passionate people that you're ever going to find about identifying the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Aside from his work as president and co-founder of The One Thing, Jeff has also worked with for years to build his own speaking business. And during our conversation, he's really candid about what it means to have a job versus build a business and also shares his insight on the value of creating and delivering world-class content. Jeff also shares his one thing, the journey to his current role, and one simple question of how might I be able to help, how that transformed his future. My time with Jeff is energizing and will no doubt inspire you to start taking action. So uh, excited to share with you this episode with Jeff Woods. Enjoy. Jeff, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. How are you, man? My pleasure, Grant. I'm doing awesome. Good to uh, chat with you. So first of all, why don't you start by giving us a, a snapshot here. You have the book, The One Thing. It was actually not written by you. We'll talk about that in a second, though, but you're kind of the, the torchbearer in the face for it. So first of all, explain what, what exactly is the, the one thing. Sure. The one thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Every one of us feels like we have too much to do and not enough time. The problem is, if we're not clear about what matters most, it's easy to spend our time and not invest it. And the problem is you can do the wrong activities and still muscle your way to a result, but actually completely cheat yourself out of what it means to live a life. And if you scale this across an entire organization, the waste just amplifies. People are working long hours. They're delivering results, but again, they're sacrificing their personal lives. And for us, we have, the book was based on a set of simple principles and ultimately a system that allows people to go from just being busy to being productive. So they're clear every day on what matters most. They accomplish what matters most and they achieve extraordinary results professionally and personally. Now, I've seen you and, and heard you talk about this, a visual of like a dominoes. So can you kind oh, yeah. of, uh, as best as, as possible, kind of explain like what, that, what that looks like? So, so every single one of us at some time in our life has lined dominoes up. And we all understood, even at five years old, you don't just put one over here and one over there and one way over there and knock each one down individually. We understood as kids, stand them up, line them up, and just whack away at the first one first. Because yeah. if, you, if you did it correctly, they all fall. What's crazy about this is back in 2009, there was a group out of the Netherlands. They broke the world record for domino falls. 
they lined up almost 4.5 million, which imagine if you were the leader of that group standing in front of 4.5 million dominoes. First and foremost, imagine what that even looks like. <laughs> now, as you're listening to this, you can do this even if you're driving. Go ahead and just raise your hand. And on the count of three, I want you to knock the first one down. One, two, three. How much effort did that take? Very little. Small actions can unleash massive reactions. You just unleashed the, the equivalent of 94,000 joules of energy. That's how much energy it would drop you, take you to drop and do 545 consecutive pushups. Hmm. So with the flick of a finger, if the dominoes were lined up correctly, you could have unleashed that much energy. We also know that dominoes don't just knock down dominoes of equal size. They can actually go 50% larger at compound. So a two-inch domino can knock over a three-inch. Three-inch does four and a half. This is what you're referring to in the book, Grant. By the 18th domino, you could knock down the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Hmm. By the 23rd domino, the Eiffel Tower. By the 31st domino, you're 3,000 feet above Mount Everest. And by the 57th domino, you could build a structure that would reach almost from the earth to the moon. Hmm. So it's that hockey stick growth. Why this matters to us is we all have big visions for our life. We're great at thinking big, but we're actually pretty terrible at going small. And identifying that one thing that if we just did that day after day after day over time would make everything else easier or unnecessary. The book is about figuring out what that one thing is. And our company came into existence to help people do that and bring it to their lives. You know, we're talking to speakers today, but you're also, you're a speaker yourself. You've been yeah. in the industry for a while. And so what do you feel like is the, the one thing that speakers can or should be focused on uh, in terms of building their own business? I'm going to preface by saying this and this may rub some people the wrong way. I don't know that they have a business. If you read Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, you can be the employee, mm -hmm. you can be self-employed, which just means you still have a job. You can be a business owner or you can be an investor. I think a lot of people, I, I was one of them, dreamed of being a speaker. Mm -hmm. All the speakers that I know got to a point where they looked up and realized they were hitting a ceiling of achievement. Because in order for them to make money, it required that they leave their family. And if they want to make more money, it means they needed to hit the road more. Now, virtual delivery is more prominent, but you still have to trade hours for dollars. And right. ultimately, if something happens to you, your income evaporates. I don't call that a business. Mm -hmm. I call that a job. So if somebody actually wants to build a business, the number one thing they're not doing that they need to start doing is they need to not make it about them. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to come back to that because I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And in fact, that was, I remember early on in my own speaking career, I had a, a buddy tell me speaking is a high paying manual labor job. You get paid way too well to stand on stage and run your mouth, but the nature of it is you have to get on a plane. You have to leave your family. Yeah. You have to go somewhere. You know, you can tolerate that for a little while, but eventually you reach a ceiling where you said in order to make more, you either have to charge more or do more. And you, you ultimately reach a, a cap and a limitation of, of what you can do. Yes. And so, yeah, you're right. The, some of it just kind of depends on what a, a speaker wants to be. If, if you just want to do 30, 40, 50, 60 gigs a year, and like you realize it's a job and that's it, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. No. But just recognize that what it is, what it is. Same thing. Like if you're, if you're a doctor, you know, we were talking right beforehand, my wife's had, had a, a couple, she said kidney stones lately, just had a couple surgeries. Those doctors get paid really, really well, but they got to show up and perform surgery. And as long right. as you know, like that's what it is, that's what you've signed up for. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're building a business, that is certainly a, a different thing. And you guys have done a, a good job with that. So when we think about like the one thing for a speaker who's like, I just want to be a speaker. I recognize it's a, a job. Like what's the one thing that they should be focused on? Creating world-class content. 
you can be the greatest speaker in the world. And, and honestly, speaking mechanics can take you a long way. But what I think actually makes an extraordinary speaker is not necessarily the mechanics. It starts with the foundation of world-class content. Have you seen that to be the case in, in your own business? Oh, yeah. I mean, Gary and Jay invested five years to research and write the one thing so that the bar for quality would be insanely high. It's the highest rated business book of all time as a result. So I know if someone from my organization is getting on stage, whether that's me or one of our trainers or consultants, I know they're going to rock the room because the content is world-class. Now add world-class delivery to it. And there you go. So let's shift gears there because you mentioned Jay and Gary have actually written the book. And so talk to us about how you kind of came into this <laughs> and what your role is and what's your, what's sure. your background? How did you end up here? So this is where we're traveling back in time to early 2015. I was in medical device sales, which was a great job. Loved what I did. Wore scrubs every day, ran through hospitals, sold a device that saved lives. But every day, even though life was good, I was lacking fulfillment. I knew I was meant for more. I always wanted to own a business. And frankly, I always, I loved the idea of being a speaker. It was a dream, but I didn't think that was possible for me. Two things happened in my life. A colleague of mine has a stroke at 35 years old. My wife and I had just had our first child, just bought a house in Orange County. My wife becomes a stay-at-home mom. And I'm realizing, oh my gosh, if what happened to my colleague had happened to me, what happens to my family? The very next week, my company changed my commission structure and overnight I lost 40% of my income. And that was a wake-up call because it's like, oh, you're actually not in control of your income or your future. That's when I was introduced to the Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. I looked at my five and saw the names of five amazing friends, but realized I had zero amazing mentors. Mm -hmm. I was not in relationship with anybody who was owning a business that made a big impact and delivered real security for their family. And that became my one thing at the time even though I wasn't familiar with the one thing at the time. You fast forward, it's our national sales meeting and Jay Papazan was our keynote speaker talking about the one thing. And the whole time he's on stage, he's talking about how Gary Keller lived these principles to build Keller Williams to be the largest real estate company in the world. And I'm thinking, oh man, what would my life look like if Jay or Gary were one of my five? And when Jay finished speaking, he gets a standing ovation. Everybody in the room sits down, yet I'm still standing. Granny, you ever had one of those moments where your mind's telling you to do one thing? but your heart's kind of pulling you in this different direction. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly where I was. My mind's like, dude, just sit down. But there was something inside of me that's like, no, you need, you need to run. You need to, you need to go. And before you know it, I'm sprinting down the side of the room. I intercept Jay and that began a relationship. What I was unaware of was the one thing had already become one of the highest rated business books of all time. And that presented a problem because Gary's one thing is running Keller Williams. Yeah. Jay's one thing is writing books with Gary. They were looking for somebody whose one thing would be the one thing. And that became my opportunity. So I'm a co-founder of the company. I'm also the president. So I was literally the very first person. And for the last six plus years, we have scaled this to pretty large organization that makes a really big impact. So I want to go back to even like your desire, you know, sitting in that conference or even it sounds like prior to that, like your desire was to be a speaker, which is the case for, you know, the majority of our audience is going like, I want to, I want to do that. But oftentimes it's not, I heard your message and I want to be the torchbearer for that message. I want to share that message with That's others. not what I thought at the time. I asked, what would it look like if Jay or Gary were one of my five? And of course I had the limiting beliefs. That'll never happen. What sure. could you say to him to make him interested in you? What could you possibly give him to make it worth your time? I didn't know the answer, but there was something deep inside me that said, you need to run and talk to him anyways. And when I approached him, 
I thanked him for the time. And I just asked him, what are you and Gary focused on? How might I be able to bring value to the two of you? That was the question. And he said, we're looking for more exposure for the book. Well, I had a podcast at the time that was pretty popular called The Mentee. And I was recording private conversations with my mentors. I offered to interview him. He said, yes. At the end of the interview, I asked, what are you focused on? How might I help? He said, more exposure. So I got him booked on all these other shows. I followed up a month later just to check in and see how the interviews went. And I said, what are you focused on now? How might I be able to help? More exposure. So without telling them, I wrote an article in entrepreneur.com about the one thing, blasted it on social media. And then I saw Jay resharing all my posts. So I tweeted back, what are you focused on? How can I help? And the reason I did this is because when I started surrounding myself with successful people, I noticed successful people showed up looking to give, not looking to get. So I just started modeling that behavior. I wasn't expecting anything in return, but that fourth time that I asked, what are you focused on? How can I help? Is when he said, Gary and I are looking for a CEO of a publishing company. And I thought of three other people that would be a great fit. Mm -hmm. So I said, I actually know some people. Let's talk so I can make the right introduction. And when we got on the phone, Grant, he didn't describe the people that I knew. He described me. I did not approach him thinking that I could become the face of the one thing. That would, I wouldn't have even perceived that would have been possible. Right. But I knew you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The most successful people I had access to always asked the question, what are you focusing on? How might I be able to help you? So I just started asking that question to everybody I encountered. So even as you're asking Jay this question over the course of several months, are you still thinking in the back of your mind, like, nope. I want to be like, I want to be a speaker though. And I'm looking for speaking I, it, opportunities it, or how are you? Let's of- put it this way. I had always wanted to be a speaker. I thought that was so impossible. It wasn't even in the front of my mind in terms of how might you be able to do this? Why? Because like so many, I, so many people are in the same spot of going like, I want to do that. I'm sitting in a conference yes. and I see a guy up on stage. I could, I could do that. And sometimes it's, there's some truth to it. And sometimes we're just naive. But why is it that you felt like, nah, it's like, I'd love to do that, but I don't legit think I can. Because I couldn't see the linear path. If I asked the question, well, how could you do that? Well, you have to start by writing a book. Then the book actually has to be successful. Then you have to start reaching out to companies and pitching yourself. And it's like, it, it, it seemed so big and overwhelming that I didn't know how the actions that I could start taking that would put me on track to achieve my goal. So I just didn't focus on it. And that's what happens with a lot of people. They have a goal, but if they can't clearly see how to make it happen, they don't take action. That's all it was. So you start having conversations with Jay and realizing, yeah. okay, maybe there's something here. Eventually this turns into, hey, why don't you be the messenger? Why don't you be the torchbearer for the one thing? How are you also kind of reconciling that in your mind of going, again, I want to be a speaker, but are you thinking I want to be a speaker on your behalf or am I interested in building the, the Jeff Woods so, brand? Uh, so I, I had turned the mentee into a six-figure business in 10 months all while this is happening. And I had that discussion. Do I want to step into an organization where it's somebody else's intellectual property right? and I'm a minority shareholder or do I go and build my own thing? And here's where I also, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I could go at it on my own and build my own thing that I could own a hundred percent of, but I would be figuring it out on my own. Or in this case, I could actually have a self-made billionaire. There's only 200 of those on the planet. I could have one of them not only be a mentor, but be an actual partner where 
his level of success in this venture is directly tied to my level of success. Yeah. What seems like the safer, higher upside bet? How did you also think about this in terms of when the three of you first start talking? Yes, Gary has other things going on. And yes, Jay has other things going on, but they could certainly, they, if this isn't important enough, they could speak on this and they could go out and do that. <laughs> and so for you, it's important to think through is the program, the presentation, the message, what it is that people are buying, or is it they're buying the speaker? So you guys obviously made the, yeah. the strategic decision of like, no, no, it's not dependent on Jay. It's not dependent on Gary. The message is bigger than any one individual. So how have you kind of thought about that so, from the beginning and, and yeah. the, the journey of that? So Gary from day one was very clear. The easy path that most people take is we could have made it about Gary. He's the one who's had the highest level of business success. Like he's easy to get on stage. His very first words to me were, welcome to Austin. Good luck. You're going to need it. Because I moved from Southern California to Austin. And my first words back to him were, hi, thanks, why? And he said, the best part about your job is, it's your job. Your problem is going to be, you're going to want to give me back pieces of your job. You're going to want to put me on stage. You're going to want to get me on a podcast. You're going to want to get me on video. But if you need to give me back pieces of your job, then you shouldn't have one. Mm, that's good. You know the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire? A millionaire sees an opportunity and asks, how can I do it? A billionaire sees an opportunity and asks, who am I missing that can do it for me? And Gary was just drawing a line in the sand that said, this is your opportunity, but let's be really clear. This is not going to be about me, and Frank, which is why you're stepping in. And all along the while, don't make it about you either. Yeah. It's why I say I'm an ambassador of the brand, not the ambassador of the brand. Because from day one, I was clear, while it's going to be me on camera, it's going to be me on the podcast, it's going to be on stage to start I need to, as fast as possible, build systems and processes and recruit people who can step in on my behalf. And that's where we're at now. By that's the cool. end of this year, I will get to do what I do, not have to do what I do, which yeah. means there will not be a single thing that happens in our business that actually requires me. I can say yes to it if I want to, but it does not require my presence. That's when you have a business. Very true. All right. I want to come at this from a couple angles because there are speakers who are listening right now who are going one of two things. Either one, I would love to be a or the ambassador for someone else's message, or B, I would love to find ambassadors for my message. So I'd be curious kind of what advice you would give to speakers on, on either side of that. Let's let's go from the, the first one to, to begin with of going like, yes. I'm looking for, uh, I, I would love to be an ambassador for someone else's message. I heard a message. I was in the audience just like you were. I would love to, and again, maybe it's a it's a big wig that felt like way out of out of their their sure. league. But how would you approach them? How would you go about saying I want to be a torchbearer for you? Knowing what I now know, I would be reaching out to that person, introducing myself, and saying first and foremost, not only am I a fan of your principles, I'm a practice leader of them. I live them, and I share the ideas with other people because I believe in them that much. I also believe in them so much. I would love my life to be taking this to the world. My question is, what's your vision for this? Do you ever plan on scaling this beyond yourself? Because if you know that you want to scale beyond yourself, I would love the opportunity to interview, to step into your world and help you take this across the globe. If I got that email, you'd best believe I would line up a time. 
Yes. But at the same time, to be fair, like there's also going to be some of those emails that are people that are, you know, potentially hokey and just kind of like maybe just blowing smoke. It seems like there's also a level of just like, it's going to always be the case. It's like, yeah, you got to filter it a little bit just to figure out the legitimacy of what they're saying. Here's the thing. If you mean the words, they'll come through. If you're just saying that because you heard me say this and you're rewinding the episode and transcribing it and using it, it may not come through. Right, right. But if you really believe in those principles, trust me, I'm telling you, one of the biggest problems authors or speakers have is they're their own bottleneck. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the, what the demand is for what they do. If they're a bottleneck, that's how much they can deliver. And yeah. they, they will come to a time where they would love to be able to have other people that can do it inside their world. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps that help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. And so let's go to that other side of the coin of some a speaker right now who they've been doing it for a little bit. They've been doing their own thing. They would love for someone to come to them and say, your message has changed my life. I would love to be able to be that messenger on your behalf. Most of the time that maybe for them, that's not happening. So sure. what would be the process of either going out and recruiting someone or finding someone sure. or expanding the brand beyond just themselves? I'll tell you where my mind goes. And this is a matter of watching Gary. Gary does masterminds with the top agents in the world. There's like 200,000 agents, but he'll do a mastermind for like the top 100. One, he's pouring into the top so that they're more successful. Two, it gives him a pulse on where the industry is going. But three, that is a systematic way for him to build a bench. He is always staying in relationship with the most talented people. So when leadership positions arise... He's able to pluck people from out in the field and create a bigger opportunity for them. So I, six years ago, asked the question, what is our systematic way for building a bench? One is our podcast. We're in the top 5% in the world in terms of downloads. We get a lot of downloads. That is a systematic way for people who know, like, and trust us to maintain a relationship with us so that when we're missing a person, we can announce it. Every time we're missing a person, you best believe ads go out on the podcast recommending it. It's how I found my VP of operations. He was literally listening to the show. And I said, I am looking to bring in an operations leader to take over running the business. Here's the three things they have to do exceptionally well. If you're this person, apply. And his wife was driving with him and said, holy crap, that's you. (laughs) And he said, I know. And he applied and we hired him. Second is we look at our products. Like we do online training for individuals. We have a membership program. That is a way when we post a position, we're always going to our members. We developed a certification program. That's a way to actually get people trained on the one thing, being able to deliver the one thing. You best believe that is a systematic way to get people up to speed. I told you about what happened today. I spoke on a stage yesterday and the amount of businesses coming our way is insane. I'm not going to say yes to any of them. 
And so I literally started calling some people who I've certified in the past, who I know would love an opportunity to work with us and saying, Hey, it may be time to pull you up to the majors. Are you ready? I've got a bench. And then there's always the traditional, which we've done this as well, post a job, filter candidates and hire them. But those people, you've got to train them on your intellectual property and your system. They're not already indoctrinated in it. Right, right. Just getting them into the culture. Yeah. So another thing you kind of touched on there is the the one thing is, is much more than a book. And it began as a book, but it has really expanded in significant ways. And again, yeah. for speakers, that's one thing that is difficult to kind of think through of going, you know, my message is, is solid and I know that I'm getting good feedback and I love speaking, but I'm also interested in doing a book, a podcast, coaching, consulting, yes. events, workshops, training, yada, yada, yada. And you can do all the things, but you can't do all the things at once. So something's going to come first, something's going to come last. You got to kind of prioritize what makes sense. So can you kind of talk us through like what's been the evolution for you guys yeah. thinking through we're going to do this. We're not going to do that. We are choosing to leave money on the table sure. this way or that way. How have you thought about that? Well, it started with a vision. I literally drew out an image of like a, a wheel. And at the center of the wheel, it said IP, intellectual property, which was the one thing. And then the spinoffs of the wheel were book, podcast, blog, newsletter, webinars, social, online courses, online membership, certification, speaking, corporate training, coaching, consulting, technology. Like it's still so clear in my mind. And I presented that to the partners and we agreed we could go there. But then, like you said, it's like dominoes one at a time. There was a book, there was an email list, there was a newsletter, there was a webinar, there were no products, no revenue. And that's where we said, first, we actually didn't want to be a speaking company and we're not a speaking company. We wanted to become an online training company for individuals. So we created a course, but after playing the course game where every month you have to sell, we realized we were burning our list out. There's no amount of money we can make that warrants undermining Gary's reputation. So we had to play a different game. So we shifted to continuity, to membership. And as we started to build a membership community all along the while, companies are asking, Hey, can you come speak? Can you come do workshops? And we're doing it. And it's successful. And everybody's saying, this is great, but I'm realizing one, we want to have a recurring revenue-based business, not a business where I have to sell all the time. And two, I'd follow up 30, 60, 90 days after the, the keynote and say, what have you done with it? And the answer was nothing. Impact is our number one core value. I was not satisfied with that answer. And so over time, we morphed into a training and consulting company for organizations. And we happen to have paths that individuals can go on to start living the one thing. We happen to have an events division. We happen to have physical products, but it, our bread and butter now is going into organizations from small companies to some of the largest in the world, literally, and helping them live the principles of the one thing. So they achieve extraordinary results. Are there opportunities that you guys have looked at and reviewed over the past you know, several years where you're going, we could do that, but either A, it doesn't make sense for us or B, Constantly. we don't have the bandwidth for it or Constantly. we don't want to lose focus. Because even as you expand, then it makes it tri tricky to know, like, are we getting away from that one thing? So how well, do you kind this, of balance that? Yeah, think about so that. This, is, this is what naturally happened. We did a course, then we launched a podcast. Then we started a continuity program while we're maintaining the course, the podcast. And then we started doing more corporate events while we're maintaining the other ones. And we kept saying yes to one more thing. Last year, mid-year, my VP of operations steps in. He's six months in and he looks up 
he facilitates a leadership meeting where over the course of a half of a day, he got us to put everything that we do in the company up on the wall. And we all stepped back and went, holy crap, for a company about one thing, we are doing a lot of different things and the dominoes are not lined up. That was literally last year. And then we asked the question, okay, this is why we've hit a ceiling of achievement in terms of our growth, yet our ambition is so much higher. So we've got to change the way we do things. And we took out our metaphorical machete. We started shutting things down. The things that we weren't ready, that we didn't want to shut down, but weren't ready to focus on, we gave permission just to keep them on autopilot. Let's just maintain with minimal focus and investment. And let's go all in on corporate training and consulting. Now, I want to be clear, this is not speaking because I remember what it felt like to close a deal for a keynote or a workshop and then trying to go back and sell them on another opportunity. I don't do that anymore. Now I figure out what problems do they have that we can solve and we sell a longer term engagement starting at a year that might include eight speaking engagements and a bunch of other stuff. So instead of selling one, yeah. now I'm selling a whole program and our scale is huge. We literally doubled our business last year and we will double our business every year for the next four years. And so why corporate training versus again, you, you go back to yeah. kind of that, that wheel. There's all the options. Like they're yeah. all good options. You can make a case for any of them. So why Here's that? what happened. Um, we started as an online training company for individuals and we were helping individuals change their lives. But the number one objection they had was my organization doesn't support this. And so for us, if we look at the mission of our business, it's to change the way people view time, to create a world where people stop spending it and they start investing it. There's no way we can achieve that vision without addressing the company. Because if we can take a company and get leaders to transform their culture to support people living the one thing, that makes an individual living the one thing easier or unnecessary. So we went from being a B2C company to becoming a B2B company first. And how will you think about then going forward? Because there's going to be other things that do pop up yeah. of going, where does this fit in? Are we creating again, something that's unnecessary literally, or sideways? sideways literally energy? happened today. We were talking about a new workshop program we could do for individuals. And my leadership team came back today and basically said, we are going to scratch the original vision. Here's the more focused vision. It was originally going to be a two-part series. Now it's going to be a one-part series. And here's why. The majority of the value we can deliver is in the first workshop. The second workshop is going to be a massive distraction from what actually matters most. Approved. So what advice would you give to speakers listening right now? And we can kind of wrap up on this who are, who are going, I have a message. I have something that's, <laughs> that's working and there's all these opportunities. And so you're looking at it through a couple of different lenses. You're looking at it from a financial impact. You're looking yeah. at it just from a, a, a impact that you're making with organizations or with people that you're speaking to. So you give have all me, these different filters and frameworks. How do you think about which one to tackle? Is this addressed for the aspiring speaker who's not speaking yet? The speaker that's just starting out? or the speaker that's actually gotten some success and wants to scale. Could you walk us through all three? Yeah, why not? One at a time. <laughs> if you are the aspiring speaker, you've got to get clarity on if you want to create your own intellectual property or if you want to deliver someone else's. My partner, Jay, said to me, he said, you are a world-class deliverer of information, but you really hate creating it. And you know what? He's right. If I have to sit down and create content, it drains me. You give me world-class content, put me up against the best of them. I'll go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I'm a megaphone. 
I'm not the writer. That's a level of self-awareness that you need to figure out because that tells you what your next step is. You're either starting to create your own content or you need to find some other content that you can bring to the world. For those of you that have started, the one thing I would challenge you to focus on is growth of your audience and database. Your business is your database. So this is where you have to start looking really strategically and what's the content that I'm bringing to the world. For us, podcast is a big one. And how am I driving the growth of my email list? Because that's your future customer base. It also becomes the springboard for a book or a program. That is it. You've got to really focus on nailing that. For those of you looking to scale, this is where you've got to realize, okay, I've got great content. I've got a track record of bringing this to the world. But this is where you have to start looking at the organizational chart and saying, who am I missing? How do I start to build something that does not rely on me? you may or may not be missing another speaker. You may be missing an an executive assistant. You may be missing somebody to do sales. You may be missing an operations leader. I was originally missing somebody who could kind of take over content for the company. That was the first key player that we brought onto the team that would take over content and all that. And then it's it's scaled over time. Our, Our organization has grown tremendously, but you've got to start asking the question, who am I missing? Great stuff. Jeff, man, we really appreciate the time. This is solid. If people want to find out more about you, um, more about the the book, The One Thing, I got yep. a copy right here. Big fan. Where can people go? The website is theonething.com. And that's with the number one. So the, then the number one thing.com. From there, you can find out about the podcast. I would strongly encourage you just to benchmark our site, just to see what are all the things we offer? What are the things we focus on? Because here's the crazy thing. There's a lot of things that we offer. The site really focuses only on 20% of it. Everything else is at the very bottom of the site and what we call the junk drawer. It's yes. all the other stuff that we do. It delivers impact, but it's not what matters most. Mm-hmm. So I would check out the site and see how we've structured things and you can subscribe to the podcast as well. It's the one thing. Awesome. Jeff, we appreciate the time in. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.